you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. How many love your pastor and miss when he's gone? Amen. 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 Uh, If you have your Bibles, and I apologize to our media team, I did not get you my scriptures uh, beforehand, and that was on me. Um, how many are thankful for our media and sound team that work hard? Thank you, thank you. And they really work hard when you forget to give them your stuff. So uh, I would like to draw your attention to Philippians chapter 3. Um, something that I, I just want to take some scriptures here, and I want to pull some things out that uh, I, I believe that God allowed me to see. And uh, I, now I'm not going to tell you that's going to be any great revelation Probably you have thought about it before. I had not. And so uh, please humor me for the next little while uh, as I bring to you what I believe that God has shown me. And I just want to take you through uh, this text, and we'll see what God wants to speak to uh, our lives tonight. Philippians chapter 3, and we will begin at verse number 13, and we will go down to verse number 15, and then... In just a little while, we will circle back and uh, start at the beginning, uh, near the beginning, rather, of this, of this chapter. Philippians 3 and 13 says this, Brethren, Paul's writing here to the church at Philippi, and he says, Brethren, I, I count not myself to have apprehended, or I count not myself to have uh, basically uh, owned this thing or figured it out on my own. I have not counted myself to have to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, he said, I, I may not have it all right, but he said, but there's one thing that I do, and he says, forgetting those things which are behind, how many know that it's good to leave the past in the past, amen, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I just want to pause and say tonight that we can't do much about our past. We can't do anything to change our past, but how many know that we can change our future? Or that God, with God's help, we can change our future. He said, reaching forth to those things which are before, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect. For as many as be perfect, he says, be thus minded. And it, in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. We talk about striving for perfection in life. We, or not just in life, but in our walk with God. We talk about how we will never reach perfection, but that we ought to strive for perfection. We ought to strive to be the best that we can be. How many know that that's true? This text has been preached, no doubt, countless times. I've heard it preached uh, probably hundreds, literally hundreds of times in my life. And many may even be recalling tonight as you sit here different messages that you heard where the preacher took from this text and some parts of this that maybe stand out to you 
more than other parts, but I, I'm sure that I, I won't reveal, as I've already said, uh, anything that you don't really know, but I, I, but may, if you would allow me to present this in a way that maybe you haven't heard before, um, and if you mark in your Bible, I want you to do this, I want you to pull out a pen and I want you to mark a few things found in these verses, and in verse number 13, I want you to, to mark, I count not myself, count not myself, uh, also mark the word forgetting. And then the word reaching. Then go to verse number 14 and mark the word press. And then in verse 15, if you would, I want you to mark, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And I want to talk to you for the next uh, little while here on this subject, the mindset of perfection. The mindset of perfection. Because how many know that perfection in Christ is all about a mindset. Is anybody going to preach with me tonight? It's all about our mindset. People that, uh, (laughs) I almost just didn't say any of this, but I want to. People that think they are something interest me. And y'all, so I hear some chuckles because you you know where I'm going with this. Or maybe I should say they <laughs> irritate me. Um, they may actually be something. They, they, I know some of the most uh, talented people. I have the privilege of knowing some of the most talented people uh, in the Indiana District United Pentecostal Church. And their, their talent, I, I say many of them, and one uh, is preaching our youth rally on Friday, Brother Luke St. Clair, I say that uh, I've often said that he has more talent in his pinky than I have in my own entire body. Um, but people that think they are something, they may be something or they may not actually really be something. But the fact is that they think they are something, it simply amuses me. The fact that I have come across people in my life, and I'm sure as you have, who really think they are something when in reality, they really are not. They are ego-driven. They reek of ego. They become, in their ego-driven state, they become condescending. I, I have no place for condescension. I, I, they become condescending. They become arrogant. They become rude. And they become, frankly, obnoxious. If you know me, if you know me at all, you know that I don't do arrogance. I, I, when, when, I, when I find arrogance, I, I turn off at that point. I'm, I'm checked out. I, now, there's, there's a difference between arrogance and, the, and being self-assured or being self-confident in your abilities. There, there, are, there are two different things. Someone who is self-confident, uh, I have no issue with that, but when it becomes arrogance... Or I, I had, my wife will know who I'm talking about when we were teenagers and I was just uh, getting to know my wife and uh, I went down to visit and there's uh, a guy in the church that we ended up being good friends. But the one thing that just irritated me, he was very condescending to me. And, and I almost got that feeling that he would make fun of me to my face. And I got irritated because I was like, bro, do you not think I understand and see what you're doing? He was condescending. And when, when, that, when I come against that, I, I, I shut down immediately. I, I, I don't do well around those types of personalities at all. I, I can deal with self-confidence, but I, I, I don't deal well with arrogance. But I, I don't deal well around people with big egos. I, I don't deal well with people who are arrogant. I, don't, I definitely don't deal with people that are, are rude when we go to a restaurant and, and the server's trying the best that they can do, but somebody at that table is just being rude. I, I have been known to get up and make my way to the restroom when someone was being rude at my table. 
because I just cannot, I, I can't do I've also been known to go up to a server, uh, unbeknownst to those sitting at my table, and say, I want to apologize for such and such, or I want to apologize if, if someone is being rude to you. I, I tend to shut down, and I find myself looking for another conversation when someone is being condescending and arrogant. People who are ego-driven, and if you are in this building, I'm sorry, but people who are ego-driven are obnoxious to me. Is that okay to say? Is it okay to be real tonight? They get, they get on your nerves. They get, they get under your skin any way that they can. And, and if we are all honest, they are not easy to be around. I'm saying all of this and kind of lighthearted tonight to, to make a, a, a point, and that is that the Apostle Paul could have easily fit into this role. He could have been ego-driven. He could have been arrogant. He could have been obnoxious if he really wanted to because when you recount and you study the life of the Apostle Paul, it doesn't take us very long to see and to realize that he had a very prestigious background. Sometimes people who come from prestigious beginnings can easily become ego-driven. But it is humbling and, dare I say, it is refreshing to be around those who come from a prestigious background or a prestigious pedigree, if you will, but they don't come across condescending and they don't come across arrogant, and they don't come across rude or obnoxious. They are actually very easy to be around. You see, Paul had a past that he could have easily relied upon. He could have, without much effort at all, felt very empowered to utilize his past, but there is something that we got to understand about the apostle Paul. When he could have done all of that, he didn't. In fact, this is what the scripture says in the first verse of Philippians chapter 3, verse number 1. In the beginning of this chapter, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the, the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He said, Beware of dogs, which is a, a good thing. Beware of evil workers. Beware, beware of those that cut you down. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul said, Paul could have said, he could have said, listen to what I am writing because I've been some places. He could have said, I've experienced some things. I've, I've been around people of prestige. I've been around people who have, have, have spoken to my life that anybody else would have killed to have them just conversate with them for a moment. But he didn't say any of that. But he said that, that, that we, we have uh, no confidence in the flesh he then says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. He said, I have reason or I have history. I have proof. I have example to put confidence in my flesh. But, but if any other man thinketh that he hath thereof, he might trust in the flesh. He said, I even more. He said, I could if I wanted to. I could if I allowed myself to. What Paul is saying is that if anybody has the past or if anybody has the beginning, if, if anybody has the example, if anybody has the experience to put confidence in the flesh, 
I have those things. Whoever they are, he said, line them up. I have that even more. Or if I wanted to, I could rely on this flesh. And this is what the Apostle Paul is writing about in Philippians chapter 3. Then we read in verse number 5. He said, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He is, he is recounting his background of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the, righteous, uh, the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, Paul says, those things I count lost for Christ. Paul is saying, I could be lifted up. I could be puffed up. I could be arrogant if I chose to. I have all of this that I have witnessed and I have accomplished and that I've been allowed to experience but he says those things I count as lost for Christ. What Paul is saying is those things really in the grand scheme of things don't even matter. They don't, they don't do any good. They are not any good thing that I count upon. Paul said, here is where I come from. Here is my beginning. This is the foundation that I base my life on. And now let me explain some of those things that I've been involved in. He talks about the persecution. He talks about the law. But then he comes down and says, but what things were gained to me? What things that I could be puffed up about? Those things that I could be, uh, I could be arrogant. He said, my name my lintage, my, my heritage, my past, my experience, my, my, even my career, my efforts, all of those things that I could look as gain, look at as, and count them as gain in my life. Some people are saying if, if I had the right name or if I, if I had the right job, if I, if I had the money, if, if I had the experience, then everything would be different in my life, if I could just have those things, if I could just experience those things, then, then things might, might be different. Paul is saying, Paul is saying that, that it, I, I could easily, but I'm not. I, I could I could, and there are others in life, there are people in life that says, if, if I could just, if I could have those things. We look at, we look at other people and we say, well, they've got the money and they've, they've had the experiences. They've, they've been afforded some things in life. And if, if, if I were just lucky enough to have been born in, in the family that they're in, or if, if I could be lucky enough to have gotten the job that, that they got, then things would would be different from me for, for me, but Paul is saying, I had all of that. He said, I had the name, I had the past, I had the experience, I had the job, I had proved it, I lived it, but I count all of that stuff that was gain, those I counted loss for Christ. You see, when you when we begin to think about this. When we begin to consider what, what the Apostle Paul is saying, he, he could have relied on so many things. He, he, he could have depended on so many things. He, he had the talent. He had the pedigree. What, what, when we think about what he could have put his confidence in, yet Paul says, I counted all of that as lost for Christ. Then we read in Philippians 3 and 8 when Paul says, Yet doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus 
my Lord. He said, all of those things don't really matter. All of those things that I thought that I needed in life, and I'm, I'm talking to somebody today, all of those things that I thought that I couldn't do without, all of those things that I, were so, that I was so proud of in my early life and I thought would get me to a place that everybody wanted to be. He said, when I, when I look back over those things, those things that I, I could have relied on and that I did rely on, I, I count all of that for loss, but for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul was saying... All of that is lost, and what matters to me is not where I came from and not what I have experienced, and it's not my talent, it's not what my last name is. But Paul said, the only thing that really matters in life is not those things, but what matters is that I know Jesus. What really matters that I identify with my Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you tonight in this, in this house, I want to pause for a moment and tell you that we should, we should try to do the best that we can. I, 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 think, I think we should try, we should strive, we should, we should strive as, as husbands, let me speak to the husbands, we should strive to provide better for our family, but not to the point where it becomes that's what I rely on, and not to the point where, where I lose my identity with Jesus, or not to the point that maybe one day I would stand before the Lord and He said, depart from me, thou worker of iniquity, I never knew you, but listen to me right now, it's good good that we do those things, but none of that in the end is going to matter. It's not going to matter what your last name is. It's not going to matter what family you came from. It's not going to matter everything that you gained in life, but what is going to matter when we stand before God is that we know Him and that He knows us. Paul said, all of that is lost, and what matters to me is to know Him, just to have a knowledge of Christ, Paul said. Then he says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them. Listen to this. He said, and I, I lost all those things, and I count them as dung that I may win Christ. He said, those things are filthy waste. He said, those things that were so important to me, so important that people looked at me and, and, and saw success, and, and, and it was important that people would look at me and see where I came from and what I have accomplished. But now I count those things as waste that I may win Christ. And as I begin to read, and as I begin to study this text and how Paul right into the church at Philippi, began to tell them how he had suffered the loss of all things. I began to think at that moment, I, I, my mind went racing. There, there are countless people that I've known in my life that have given everything. You, you understand, in, in, this, in this day and age that we live in, we talk about, we talk about how those that came before us gave everything. Aunt Lois, I, I think about Uncle Merrill. He gave everything. He gave his health. He gave everything to the kingdom of God. We talk about those things. We talk about those that, that sacrifice so great, such great things that we could have what we have in today's society and in our life. The issue with the church is that we don't want to sacrifice. I know it's quiet. We don't want, we don't want the, we, we like to talk about it and we rejoice about it and we honor it. But in, in deep down inside, we're saying, God, 
man, don't ask me to sacrifice like that. We want, we, we, we want all the benefits. Hello? We want all the benefits, but we really don't want much sacrifice. Don't ask me. Don't. Don't. Hopefully God doesn't call me there. or Hopefully God doesn't call me to, to do that. But as I begin to read, I begin to read and study this text, names, faces came to my mind, and I, I began to, to think of my late father-in-law who, who in his 60s felt God calling him to start a new church from scratch in a brand new town. He was, but you not understand about my father-in-law. He was a bi, he was bivocational. He owned a, a very successful electric motor shop, and he would work all day installing well pumps. I, I, I often tell the story, and I laugh that I went with him one day when he was hooking up a generator, and and I don't, I didn't know. I had no clue what was going on. All I know was that the wire was about that big around, and he was going out to make a connection, and uh, my father-in-law was, was a, a funny guy, and he was like, just stand here behind me and, and uh, look over my shoulder. He said, Hopefully I, I, hope, I hope I got all this turned off. I'm thinking, man, I hope you do too. And so he opens the breaker box, and he flips a, a lever, and he starts doing a mental uh, checklist, and he's like, he's pointing at things, and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so he takes the wire to hook up this generator that is supposed to be dead. And in a moment, Brother Ethan, that that, that wire touched metal, metal, there was a brilliant flash and a pop. And the first thing that I did being the manly guy that I was, I screamed like a girl and hit the dirt. And I was like, I was afraid to look up because I thought, my God, he just electrocuted himself. And I look up finally, and my father-in-law's holding the wire, and he goes, huh. And he flips the switch, he makes the connection, he turns around and looks at me with a smile on his face and big burn marks down his glasses. But he had, he had a very successful business. He was a hard-working man. He provided good for his family. But he would work all day installing well pumps and hooking up generators and rebuilding motors. And then he would rush home to get cleaned up and to grab a, a bite to eat before he would make the 30 or so minute drive to Alma, Arkansas to spend the evening either preaching the gospel or remodeling a rundown building so that they could have a place to hold services. And while others were enjoying retirement, Pop was building a church. Uh, he worked hard in his business, and he worked hard for the kingdom of God. For quite some time, he and my mother-in-law made the commute uh, every, multiple times a week before finally selling their home in Ozark and making the move to Alma. Then, then he can he can change his commute back to Ozark as he continued to run his business uh, to fund the, the, the brand new church plant that he was starting. And, and at, because of his hard work, he built a new building that to this day houses a strong apostolic church. He gave his time, he gave his treasure, and he eventually gave his health. Standing here today, and I could ask him, Pop, was it worth giving everything? Was it, would you do anything different? He would no doubt say, I count it all as loss to win Christ. And think of my grandfather, our late bishop, who left Ohio with three children, one of whom was my mother, who was 14 years old at the time left their life in Ohio, left a church of 250 or so people to come to Frankfurt and to start a brand new church with just a handful of people in the home of Merrill and Lois Fishback. 
right back there on Kelly Road. He, he poured his heart and his soul into the kingdom. His family watched, and I watched as he often, and not even knowing what I, what I was watching, but as he often paid the bills of the church when things were tight and nobody even knew it. He didn't leave his family a big monetary inheritance. I wish I could tell you that my grandfather left me thousands of dollars, but he didn't. But one thing he did, he left me and his family was something that was far more valuable than money. If he were here today with us, I could ask him, Papaw, was it worth everything? And, and I know what he would say. He would look at me and he would say, Danny, I count it all for loss. Paul says, I've lost some things along the way. Things I could have held on to. Things that I could have relied on. Things that I could have, uh, that could have uh, propped me up. Or I, I could be sitting in a different place. But Paul said, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. See, sometimes you have to, you have to read in here and, and know that people suffer the loss of friendships along the way. Some people suffer the loss of family. Along the, I know, I know preachers who have tried to work in the kingdom of God and have lost children uh, due to a traumatic accident or uh, circumstance. I know people that sit in churches that have suffered traumatic loss. They've lost family, they've lost health, they've lost possessions, but they 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 didn't say feel sorry for me or see how bad I have it. Rather, they've said yes. I've lost some things along the way. And oftentimes, we want to preach about what we gain along the way and what we get along the way and what we receive along the way. But there is another side totally to it. Just as much as you receive, you will sacrifice along the way. So when loss comes, that, that's not a moment to give up on God. That's a moment to understand that there there will be ups and there will be downs and there will be people that hang around and there will be people that go. There will be people who support what you're doing and there will be people that condemn what you're doing. There will be moments that you rejoice and shout and there will undoubtedly be moments that you will weep and mourn. But it's all part of the process and if you can and if you fail to get this in your mind, you will never get to where God wants you to go. There will be ups and downs. I wish I could tell you that there won't be, but there will be. There will be times of laughter and there will be times of weeping. But Paul is saying, I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. I noticed that Paul didn't say, look at my family and, and look at my friends and look at what I could have had. Feel sorry for me. No, no, no. That's not what Paul said. He said it's all just waste. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not speaking tonight against having things in life. I'm not speaking about being being successful in life. I'm not I'm not speaking against uh, trying to accomplish things in life. But what I'm trying to tell you tonight, in the only way that I know how to, what I am trying to tell you, that in the grand scheme of things, don't get caught up with everything in this life. Don't get caught up with seeking the better job or trying to make more money, and don't. Don't spend all your time trying.
trying to make sure that your 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 kids are in the right programs and that they are trying you're trying to push them to a certain social status. Don't get caught up in those things so much that you forget that you are trying to win Christ. It's not about what you have in this life. It's not about what we accomplish in this life, but it is about hearing him say, "Well done." could have said, I've been there, done that, and I bought the t-shirt. I'm not going to spend all my time focusing on what I've lost along the way. But I'm going to spend my time knowing that it was worth it all that I might win Christ. That if I had to let go in order to hold on to Him, then I'm letting that go. If I had to lay it down in order to focus and to draw closer to God, that's what I'm willing to do. If that relationship was was pulling me away from winning Christ, then that relationship I just count it as waste and I move on toward Him, whatever it is. If you are still holding on to it saying, I really want to win Christ, but I also love all of this stuff, if that is you and that's what you're trying to do, hear me tonight when I tell you, you will never win Christ holding on to all of that. But you have to look at it as, yes, I could have relied on it, but I consider it all as waste because something better is being offered to me than what I'm trying to to hold on to. It is amazing that as you read a little bit of his life, Paul then goes on to say, and be found in him, verse number 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Paul, who could have said, I, I, I am just going to rely on my talent. I'm just going to rely. He, but Paul said, no, I, I'm laying it all down that I may know Him and know the power of His resurrection. Do you know that you cannot have a resurrection without there first being a death. So when you say, I want to know the Lord, then you are saying, whatever I have to go through, if it costs me everything, if it feels like death in my life, it's just simply that I may know Him. Understand, we've got to be willing to go through some tough times in life. We've got to be willing to lay some things down in life that are important to us and and dare I say even precious to us. Those things that might get get in our way of of, of drawing closer to God or get in our way uh, of of, of being in right relationship and in close relationship with Christ. We've got to be willing to say there's nothing that in my life that I cherish more than just knowing Him. There is nothing in my life that is worth me losing out on my relationship with God. If you are here tonight and you have tried to hold on to some things. You've tried to hold on to God while still holding on to those things that you hold dear. Can I tell you that at some point you're going to have to let go of that to get a better grip on Christ because if you try to hold on to the world and hold on to God, sooner or later one grip is going to slip and it just might be that your grip on God and your relationship with God begins to slip and when you are at the end of your life and, and you are standing before God. Nothing else is going to matter. Nothing else is going to matter. If I'm ever going to enjoy the power of His resurrection, then I have to also know that the sting of death 
may very well come into my life. The death of things that I, I, I dreamed about, the death of things that I tried to hold on to, the, the death of things that, that I, I so dearly invested in in my life, the death of things that, that I were, was working on in my life. Yes, it died, but if you're going to know the power of the resurrection of Christ, you have to live through a few moments and days of death. Things in your life that you're just going to get to the point where you're saying, it doesn't matter, let it die. If it's going to die, let it die. Because what is important that I, is that I know Christ. Paul goes on to say then in this text, and he says, and the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know about the resurrection, but I also want to know about suffering. Not everybody says that. Not everybody feels that way. Not everybody is willing to embrace the suffering. But if you are going to know Him, then you have to realize that there will be a time of suffering. And when you are suffering, you don't have to lose hope. You just have to remember that it is in the fellowship of suffering and know that you are not suffering alone, but you are suffering in a fellowship with one that has already been through it. So don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't feel alone in your struggle. You are knowing and there is is fellowship that can come through our suffering. Paul then says, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Then we arrive at our text finally uh, that I read to you earlier in verse number 13 when Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul tells all of this about his life in Philippians chapter 3. He tells us all about his experiences. He talks about where he came from. He talks about what he could have relied on his family, his heritage, the experiences of his life. And then he says, I count not myself. How interesting that phrase is, I count not myself. I want to draw your attention quickly to a familiar story in Scripture that we find in 2 Kings chapter 5. It's found in verses 1 through 14. Verse number 1 says, Now Naaman, captain of the hosts, of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable and honorable, but by him the Lord hath given deliverance unto Syria. This man, Naaman, is gifted. This man is a leader of leaders. This man is honored. This man is highly favored. This man is revered. But the Bible goes on to tell us, but he was a leper. He has all of these things in life. He's got the name. He's got the position. He's got the recognition. And just like Paul, who I've been talking to us about, he had all of this stuff. Naaman had stuff too. He had things that he could have relied on. He had things that he could depend on. Syria was free because of him. The king recognizes him. He was an honorable man. He was a good man. He was a man of notoriety. But the Bible says that he was a leper and he is suffering and he is struggling. The story plays out that he is not sure what to do because he knows that leprosy ultimately is going to strip all of the other things from him. Before long, the recognition and before long, the notoriety, his position, all of the honor and his place would be taken from him because of the disease in his life. 
He's not a nobody that is always overlooked. But he's a man who is high-ranking. He has a lot of attention on him. But he has this need in his life. He doesn't know what to do, Brother Justin. He doesn't know where to turn. He doesn't know what's going to happen when it finally, finally all comes crashing down. And the story goes on to tell us that there happens to be a lady who is working in his home, serving his wife, that says to him, I know a prophet. Is there, there is someone that you can turn to maybe. If, if you go talk to him, he can, maybe he can tell you what you need to do. Or, and Naaman says, tell me where to go. Where, who, who is he? Where and where? Who, who do I need to talk to and where do I need to go? And finally, the Bible tells us that he goes and he knocks on the door trying to find out what to do and, and where to turn. And he knocks on the door and the prophet doesn't even come to the door, but the prophet sends a servant. And he just sends the word. He says, the servant comes to the door and he's like, hey, prophet said that you need to go down to the Jordan River and you need to wash seven times. Imagine with me naming a man of notoriety, a man who, who everybody knew and everybody revered, now stands before not the prophet, but the prophet's servant. As the servant tells him, the man of God said, go wash in the Jordan. Go, go to the Jordan River and, and do that seven times. And You see, what we got to understand, some say that the Jordan was not a place that you wanted to go wash. It was a place that if you, were sick, if you weren't sick already, rather you would probably be sick after you took a dip in the water. And Naaman is saying, as he looks at this prophet, he's saying, what, what, what do you mean? He's telling me to go to the Jordan where all the waste and all the trash is? Does he know who I am? Does he know my position? Does he know what's at stake? Does he, he, he can't have the, the, the decency to tell me to my face? Does he, does, who does he think he is? I'm not going to the Jordan. I wish you could have, you would have never recommended that I go find this man. The Bible says that he gets in his chariot and he heads home because there is someone saying, it's not that I can sacrifice everything I have. Rather, there is some, there's someone saying, I, I'm going to hold on to who I am and to what I have. Although he was going to lose it all anyway, this is interesting to me because people hold on to stuff that is ultimately going to be their downfall. People hold on to things and they say, this is important in my life and I, I, I can't let it go, thinking that their security is in that stuff that they're trying to hold on to. But the truth of the matter is, whatever it is that they are holding on to, will own them, and when it gets through with them, it will abandon them and leave them right where they are. And so Naaman is saying, I'm, I'm an honorable man. I, the king recognizes me. I'm not, I'm not getting in the Jordan. He is relying on his past and who he has always been. And what Paul was talking about not doing was the very thing that Naaman he is riding along and someone comes alongside him saying, listen, if he would have told you to do something great, because you are a great man, you have everything together, if they told you to do something that would have made you look good, would you have done that? Of course I would have done that. But this is degrading. This is looking as though I, I count everything as loss, and, and I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want people to see me that way. This is 
as though I am ridding myself of all reputation and all positions and, and, and all possessions and everything that I have. Because that means sacrificing everything. Someone said, would, would you have done it if he would have told you to do something great? Of course I would have. Then what's the problem with just going and seeing if it will work? And the scripture goes on to tell us that Naaman turned and he went away in rage. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, the Bible says that, And a servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do something great, wouldest thou have done it? How much rather then, when he seeth to thee, wash and be clean. And then he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And the Bible says that his flesh became like unto the flesh of a child and he was cleansed. What I want to tell you is that the mindset for Naaman was, you can't be perfect getting in the Jordan. The mindset was, you, you, you get in the Jordan and, and you're no longer perfect because everybody sees your imperfections and, and you, you, you've sacrificed everything and you've lost all recognition. You've, you've, you've contaminated your own body. His mindset was, you can't do this. See, perfection is acting like everything's okay. Act like you have it all together. Be recognized, and that's perfection. Someone convinces him to, to, to give it a try, and when he goes and he does what the man of God told him to do, then it all worked out. You see, what I'm talking to us about tonight is the mindset of perfection. You see, sometimes people get arrogant. Sometimes people get lifted up and think that they have everything together and everything is worked out. I, I'm, I'm all in control. And you know, and you know what we do. We try our best to get away from that mindset because. It's, it's condescending, and, and, you, and you, can see behind, you can actually see behind your own facade, and you can see the, on the other side of the curtain, and, and, and they're acting like everything is great, but you know at home that all hell is breaking loose. They're acting as though they're arrogant and prideful, and they have it all together. Here is Naaman dying with leprosy. He is being eaten up, literally. Yet he has so much pride that he is saying, I am not going to the Jordan because he was relying on his past. <laughs> and now, on the flip side to that, you have the Apostle Paul who has all of the same things to be able to rely on. But the Bible says, but he says, rather, I don't count myself, I don't count any of that stuff worthy to be compared to him. I, I just let it all go because his mindset was, it's all about Christ. It's not about, it's not about me. So if I'm ever going to be what God wants me to be, I cannot rely on where I came from or what my name is or what happened in my past, but I have to live in the moment right now that he is in charge of my life. Pride and entitlement will repel the miraculous from happening in your life. If you want miracles to happen in your life, then do whatever you have to do to get pride out of your heart. If you want miracles to transpire in your relationships, if you want miracles to happen on your job and in your home, then don't walk around like you're entitled to everything, but walk into the service saying, I realize that if it wasn't for the grace of God, if God had had not been on my side, I wouldn't have the strength in my body. I wouldn't have the mind that I have. I, I wouldn't have the knowledge that I have. I wouldn't have the favor that I have. We cannot live. We cannot afford to live 
as though we are entitled to everything. Because when you act like you are entitled, and when you live with pride and arrogance in your life, it actually repels the things of God. I don't know about you, but I want the miraculous in my life. I I, I want the favor of God in my life. So it doesn't matter what my name is. It doesn't matter where I came from. But what matters is that I'm trying to win Christ. So I'm cutting everything else loose. I'm letting go of everything that could stand in my way from knowing Christ. Paul said, I count not myself. And I'm drawn to a close. I take myself out of the equation, Paul says. I I remove me out of the picture. That is a hard thing to do. It's hard to get me out of the way. It's hard not to consider me and everything that's going on in life. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard to live. It's hard to live in that place. It's, It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. going to know Christ, if we're ever going to draw closer to Him, then we've got to take me out of the equation. Our, li- our lives are dominated by the consideration of ourselves, and everything that Paul was writing about came down to that very thing. You want to know what the key his life was it was the attitude the mindset of I count not myself the key to his ministry the key to everything that he accomplished in ministry was I count not myself you see people who only think about themselves will never do anything for God it's the reality it's harsh it's the reality that only think about themselves and what, what's in it for me and what do I have to gain. They'll never do anything for God and they will never do anything that will make a difference in anyone else, anyone else's life. We've reached the part. This is the part that we like. And he says, the one thing I do forgetting, the one thing I do reaching, one thing I do, pressing. We, we preach about all those things and we like that. That's what we hear preached all the time. This one thing I do, I forget, I press, I, I reach. But I'm here to tell you that you will never be able to forget. You will never be able to reach. You will never be able to press until you count not yourself long as you and I are in the mix, forgetting, reaching, and pressing will never transpire in our lives. Let me bring this to a close by going back to Philippians 13, or 3, 15. Let me show you how all of this comes together. Paul is thinking, is talking rather about forgiving, forgetting, reaching, pressing, and Then he says this in Philippians 3.15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. We think about perfect, perfection. He said as many as be perfect. We think, well, there ain't nobody. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Paul says, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. What minded? He says, quit considering yourself. People say, well, I'm I'm striving for perfection. I'm trying to be what God wants me to be. Can I tell you that the only way that you're ever going to be what God wants you to be is when you let your mindset be changed. It has to be changed to this. It's no longer about me. It's no longer what I want. It's no longer what I think. 
It's no longer what is important to my flesh. I, can't, I cannot keep counting myself. I cannot keep considering myself. Bringing me up in every equation in life can do those things and get where God wants me to be. Paul said, those kind of people, those that understand that it it can't be about me, those striving, he said, let them be thus minded. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Stand with me. You know, people... Who no matter what happens in their life, they're already they've already convinced themselves that things are tough and that they have it so bad. And we all know people who are of the attitude that they're never going to survive. And it's always doom and gloom. And there are a lot of people who, before I ever ask how they are doing, I already know what the response is going to be because. would never be enough. The doctor's report that everything looks good is never good enough. Paul was saying that as long as your mind is fixed on, I came from this family, I came from this background, I I deserve this. I have this experience and that that ought to happen to me and not to them. And we are condescending about it. We, we get arrogant about it. We get rude about it. We get obnoxious in the things of God. And God is saying, if you want to get to the place where you're walking in perfection, then let the mindset no longer be about you. But let it be about forgetting all of that other stuff. Just let me win Christ. Let me just somehow find a connection to Christ. You see, perfection comes from this mindset. And if you don't have, notice what what, what the rest of the verse says. When it says, and if anything ye be otherwise minded... God shall reveal even this unto you. So if you don't have the mindset that I've been talking about to you, guess what? If you don't have it, you can't hide the fact that you don't have it. Everyone else sees it. It's revealed. Everybody everybody else knows that it's all about you and it's all about me. There are some people that really do think that it's He said, if you want to be perfect, if you want to attain, if you want to get, if you want to reach, then you cannot count yourself. God help me. God help us tonight to deny our flesh every day. Help me in the moments when I think that I deserve and that I should receive. God, forgive me and help me in the times when I think that I can depend on myself. God, help me in those times when I think that it's it will always be the talent will always be there. The, the circumstances, the, the, right, the right name, the right things will always be there. The truth of the matter is that every one of us can rely on things of yesterday. But the only way that we can get God wants us to go is when we cut all of those things loose and we begin to pursue Him. It is in that moment that we'll forget to reach, to press. Perfection is a mindset. And I made my mind up that it doesn't matter who comes 
worried about what people think, how highly they think of me or how low they think of me. And I don't mean that in a rude or arrogant way, but that's not what's important in my life. And I'm trying my best to do what I can to win Christ. And I'm trying to do this to one day stand before Him and hear Him say, well done. Well done. Hear him say, you let go of all the right things and, and you grabbed hold on to all the right things. I'm trying to hear him say, well done. And I'm trying to do my best to make sure that my mind is stayed on pleasing him and not trying to build up my flesh, not my will, God, but your will done. Is there anybody in this house that just wants to pursue Jesus? Is there anybody in this house that's just tired of, of hanging on to what you've been trying to hang on to and, and you got you got one hand on all of all of your, your past and another hand in the hand of God and you're you're trying to trying to get the best of both worlds? Anybody tired of the struggle that just says, hey, I, I, I'm not gonna try it any longer, but I'm gonna let that go because what really matters is not what people think about me. And it's not that people see how successful I am. It's not about my accomplishments, it's not about what I can gain, but it's about me hearing him say, Well done. Is there anybody in this house that just wants to hear God say, well done? Is there anybody that wants to stand before him and hear him say, enter into the joys of the Lord? You could have, you could have stayed, you could have held on, but you let go. And and it was painful at that time. But look what you gained. I don't know about you tonight, but I count it all as loss that I may win. Christ. Would you lift your hands right where you are tonight? Would you just go ahead and make that declaration to the Lord God? The most important thing in my life is that I attain, that I attain a relationship with you. God, the most important thing in my life, God is making the city. The most important thing in my life is not what I do and it's not what I accomplish. It's not who people say that I am. It's not my success in this life. But God, I want to win you. I want to attain you. Come on, would you lift your hands right now? Would you lift your voice for just a few moments in this place? Jesus, Lord. 